Welcome to Mind, Body, Health, and Politics. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Miller. The mission of Mind, Body, Health, and Politics is to expand consciousness, stimulate thought, enhance your mental and physical health, and encourage community. The supplement period, uh, pyramid period, the supplement pyramid, I, I read it, uh, Michael, and it's a uh, it's a very dense book. I mean, it's, Thank you. It's, <laughs> it took a lot of work. <laughs> this, it, this book took a tremendous amount of, of work, a tremendous amount of research. And, uh, you know, w- one hardly knows where to begin. Uh, you begin with a, a, a discussion, an overview of, uh, of chemicals in the body. And, and um, I'd like you to talk just for a few minutes before we go on into supplements, which, which is the, the, the main headline for the, for the program, of course. But just talk a few minutes about chemicals in the body and what we're all living with. Sure. You know, uh, it, it, the human body, Richard, is, as you know, is so resilient. It has a built-in detox system, you know, mainly run by the liver. And anything that comes into your system, whether through food, air, water, whatever it is, is going to be checked by the liver. It's going to be detoxified by the liver, and it's an incredible system. The problem today is it's overwhelmed. I mean, you, you, you can't, I just came back, by the way, from New York City, and I was sitting there on one of the street corners just watching all the cars go by and all the traffic and uh, how dirty it looked. Nothing against New York City. It's a wonderful city, but you can't live in those types of environment and not think that that... Those toxins from the cars, from the, in the water, in the soils, aren't doing something, you know, to, to our internal organs and systems. Um, the liver is simply overwhelmed today. I don't know if your listeners realize this or not, but the EPA allows over 70,000 industrial chemicals uh, in our environment today. And, and that, that covers all of the basic household products that we use, from air fresheners to dishwashing soap. Uh, detergents, things we do for our car, they even estimate that the average person living in a city in the United States has anywhere between 500 to 600 measurable chemicals, toxins in their bloodstream at any given time. Again, the, the, the body just is, is not meant to handle that type of toxin load, which in my, in my book I make the argument that, that that's one of the reasons I, I do believe uh, supplements are so important today because there are things that we can take on a daily basis uh, that we can supplement our diet with that will help the liver do its job better in this toxic uh, environment that we're all trying to live in and be healthy in, and it's just almost impossible today. Um, that's in the first chapter of, of the book, by the way, and I lay out five scientific facts for why I, I do think we need to take supplements, and that's one of those, uh, simply the, the environmental toxins that we're all de- dealing with that the body was never meant to handle. Uh, so there are things you can do to help your liver detox all of that and to give, your, give yourself a fighting chance to stay healthy in today's world. Michael, th- there are so many areas that you point to in your book of where we take in toxins it's like uh, we're going into a, into almost like a war zone. Just going, you know, <laughs> I mean that going out in the street. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at at your book here. Where we, I mean, for years I've been eating organic food, or at least Good, I yeah. think I eat organic food. And then you go into the differentiation 
which I read about, between organic food and free-ranging food and food that is free-ranging plus. <laughs> and, right. and you, you know, you're laughing. You know exactly what Wait, I'm... Because it's, it you know, is, and, Richard, it's confusing <laughs> to people. And I'm saying to myself, you know, I thought I was getting, I would thought I was getting, chick, you know, a, a well, meat, food from chickens because I've read and I've seen the movies about how chickens are like little, they're in factories and they're, how disgusting their environment is and so on and so on. So I thought free-range... But then I see what you're saying here, that free range doesn't necessarily even mean free range. It It could mean they let them out in the yard for 10 minutes, and that's free range. Yeah, every county, and here's where it gets even more confusing, confusing, Richard. There's not not a federal standard for any of these words. It's really county by county. Uh, so So you might live in a place where they call free range chicken, um, chicken that simply reside in a cage uh, that is double the size of the normal standard cage, believe it or not. Um, and, and maybe they get out of that cage for five minutes in a 24-hour day, and, and they can call that, that free range. Look at, look at the word organic. I mean, that's good. I think we all should try to eat organic produce. Uh, but what they don't tell you is most counties allow certain farmland to be called organic as long as no chemicals were used in the last 20 years on that soil. But here's the thing. Those chemicals that were used 20 years ago are still in the soil because they have half-lives of 200 years. So we, there's, the, there's, the, there's a misconception, I think, um, out there about these words, organic, natural, free-range. Um, you know, yeah, you put all that together. I, I actually refer to this as the sick food chain. When you look at the hormones that we're injecting our livestock with, when you look at the, the pesticides, even if it's organic soil, it may not be that organic, free range, all this stuff that we're doing to our food supply, it's making it sick. And what are we doing? We're eating this sick food, and we wonder why we're so sick today. I don't think it's, I don't think it's all that, that difficult to understand. If you're going to eat sick food, you're going to become sick yourself. Uh, and again, this is another reason why I think um, supplementation is an important thing, uh, especially when it comes to detox, to help your, your liver handle all of these pesticides, the water toxins, the air toxins, um, you know, the household toxins. I mean, again, 70,000 chemicals are allowed in our environment, according to the EPA. Um, if, if you ever talk to somebody who thinks, oh, I'm eating a good diet, I'm healthy, I don't need to take supplements, show them the first chapter of my book, and I hopefully that will convince them, no, that they need to at least be doing some core foundational products that I think we all, we all could benefit from. Michael, when we do comparative epidemiological studies, do we find, for example, that people living in New York City are, are dying a, 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 a earlier or have a higher cancer rate than, say, people who are living more naturally out in some island in the middle of the Pacific or something like that, where they're far away from, from plastic bottles? Or is anybody far away from a plastic bottle? No, no, bottle? no. That's, that's what's scary about it is no one is far away. You might think that it... it so, so to answer your question, no. Um, the, the rates of cancer, is certain types of cancers, for instance, even liver cancer for, it has, gone, has increased. Um, a lot of other cancers have dropped simply because we're, we're, we're detecting them faster, we're able to treat them faster. But, say, liver cancer is actually one that's gone up, and it's gone up in all different types of environments. That's because you might think, Richard, it's safer to be out uh, away from a city, but the farther you go out in the city, the closer you are to farmland, where most farmland is not organic. It's loaded with pesticides. You get a good windstorm, and you're breathing all that stuff in. 
So it's really a sad commentary that today there really isn't a safe environment. I don't know. You mentioned uh, an island or something away from plastics. So, yeah, maybe there's one out there in the Pacific somewhere <laughs> that that uh, that might be safe. But who's going to be able to live and work out there uh, and work out there and, and and make a living? So unfortunately regardless of where you live and what you do, we, we are exposed to these kind of chemicals. That doesn't mean, though, there aren't things that you, you can do uh, to, to help protect yourself. There's certain plastics you should buy and certain plastics you shouldn't buy. There's certain things you shouldn't do with plastics, like microwave them. Um, there are certain, um, you know, career choices that, that can make a difference. You know, if you're dealing with paints and paint thinners, uh, if you work in any sort of industry um, that deals with chemicals, yeah, you're going to be at a little bit more of a risk than, say, somebody who is, who's not or maybe is working, um, you know, at a desk in some office. So there, so there might be some, some differences between uh, some of those sub-analyses like that. But uh, in general, whether it's New York City or out in, um, you know, the, the upper New York State where the farmland is, we're all exposed to these kind of chemicals. And by the way... Who in the United States doesn't have a kitchen, you know, cabinet full of household cleaners and you know, uh, air fresheners today? We all do, regardless of where you live. And all of those kind of chemicals are making a huge impact uh, on on our, you know, internal detox system. The liver is just overwhelmed today, and it might be a reason that we're seeing autoimmune disorders increase. We're seeing a lot, a lot of skin disorders increasing. We're seeing a lot of uh, mood disorders. I mean, all of these things are increasing. Uh, and it's multifactorial, by the way, but I do believe that environmental toxins are playing a role. I, I think it's crazy not to think that. I'm going to read something from your book where you say BPA and, and, and phthalates are both hormone-disrupting chemicals with opposite functions. And uh, you, you say, store your food in glass containers or at the very least, in plastic containers labeled BPA-free. I don't know who takes the time to read their plastic <laughs> containers, so you know, the rule of thumb here is yeah. use glass instead of plastic whenever it, you can. Yeah. And, and that's great advice. You even say things like, swap your plastic shower curtain for a cloth one. I mean, I've never read that before. I, I, that, yeah. that, that, that sounds like, you know, why be you know, every single day oh. you know, surrounded by this plastic uh, a, a curtain? And then you go on to say, if you're putting in new flooring... Choose linoleum over vinyl. You hear that, folks? Choose linoleum yes. over vinyl. It seems like a pretty simple thing. Otherwise, you've got something. That evidently, what you're saying, Michael, is if you choose vinyl, you've got this stuff coming off the floor all the time you're on it, whereas if you choose linoleum, it's, it's cleaner. Yeah, so all of those, it's interesting you mentioned the, the shower curtain. Uh, it, that was one that really shocked me. Specifically, there is a fire retardant that's used in a lot of different um, couches, chairs, mattresses, and some of these types of plastic linings in, in shower curtains. It's called BDE-47. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. Uh, it's been linked to all kinds of immune effects, neurotoxic effects. Uh, that's that plastic smell, like, you know, if you ever get into a, a shower with a plastic lining that, you know, maybe the shower hasn't been used in a couple of days, maybe you go on vacation, you come back and you can smell that, pla that type of plastic odor. Yes. That, that's the BDE-47. If you can smell that, you are inhaling this bad chemical. That's not good. So there are cloth ones that are better, and also there's even some biodegradable um, uh, liners that are a little bit better than those plastic ones. Yeah, get rid yeah, that that one out of all of my research shocked me the most because I never thought about that before. Yeah, let me that just underline, I want to underline something you're saying in bright red. 
Folks, what Michael's saying here is if you can smell the plastic, you want to get rid of it. If you can <laughs> smell good. it, that, once you can smell it, that means it's in your system. The fact that you can smell it, it you know, prima facie, it's in your system. If you can smell it, get rid of it. He also says, ladies, phthalate-free cosmetics, very important, and, and he gives a website here, the Environmental Working Group, ewg.org, the Environmental Working Group, and you can learn more, ladies, about your cosmetics, because sure enough, you don't want to be putting toxic stuff on your skin and then having it come through transdermally. I'm just going to run through a couple of other things. We're going to move on to supplements, Michael. You've got so much in this book, I'm going to have to have you on for, I don't know, half a dozen times. <laughs> say no to Teflon. I think a lot of us know that, but just forget it. You know, say, say no to Teflon right. and wash your food before eating. And a lot of people already do know that. Michael, one question before we move on to supplements. What about plastic pipe? Almost every house now has, a, has plastic pipe that, that conveys water. Right, in addition, it used to be all copper piping, but now we're right. using... Are those plastic pipes dangerous? Are we all just drinking water full of toxin all the time? What's the story? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a good question. It depends on the, the grade of plastic, because believe it or not, they, there is not, there's not a real standard for that. Apartment complexes, for instance, are often using some of the lower-grade uh, plastics, and when you run hot water through some of them, you might leach off some of those, chem- uh, some of those chemicals. Oh, um, boy. Yeah. Now, now there are different standards for condominiums, uh, townhomes, houses. They they tend to use a better grade of plastic, and that's probably safer. But bottom line but is what you're saying is some of us are drinking water that's coming through pipes, and we're getting some of the toxin from the pipe. You, that's just how yeah, it is, yeah. Especially right? if you're especially if you're in one of those apartment complexes that was built in about a month. You know how fast they built yeah, them. Yeah, I understand. That's that's not a, that's that's usually a good sign that they're probably using uh, materials that. Uh, are going to leach some chemicals, yeah. So what, one of the things that I've been advocating for years on this program is that for whenever possible, grow some of your own food. Oh, I'm sure great you, point. Yeah. You agree with yeah. that, I'm sure. Yeah, but and it's na- easy to tune it. You, you don't need a lot of uh, space for that either because they have the vertical gardens now too. Uh, where you can do herbs and tomatoes and peppers, all you know, they grow vertically. You don't need a lot of area to do this. I have a um, uh, a porch uh, at my home, and I have a vertical herb garden, uh, and it's it's a really nice way to get some fresh herbs and spices in, into my into my food. So I, I think, Richard, I think that's a great idea. Now I'm going to ask you the tough question that I always ask colleagues, and and, okay. I, and I encourage my patients to ask me: <clears throat> uh, Do you eat meat? You know, if I do uh, now, I, I assume you're talking red. I want to know. Meat. I want to know what you eat, and I want to know where yeah, you. I wh- do. And I, I want to know where you get it. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I, I try. I try to limit the red meat as much as possible. But I, I follow a, a simple rule. Um, you know, I, Richard, I am from Texas. I do enjoy my beef on occasion. <laughs> it is what it is. Is how I grew up. I always go with grass fed. I mean, you know, all of the problems. Well, listen, it's just simple. All of the problems that we we've seen with. Beef that the 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 inflammatory component of beef comes from the grains that are that are being fed to these animals that don't eat grains like that in the wild. Yes, uh, grass-fed beef has a higher ratio of omega three to six than grain. It's that simple. It's a disruption of the omega three to omega six ratio that's causing the problem. So grass-fed. Yeah, if you want to go with beef, you know, make sure it's organic, make sure it's hormone-free, and make sure it's grass-fed. Then I think that's perfectly fine. I think you're going to get a, a decent ratio of 6 to 3, uh, uh-huh. you know, of the omega-6 to 3. So that's what I do. 
So, we, of course, we, you're from Texas. When you say grass-fed, you mean, you know, grass that grows out of the ground. Out here where we are, we say grass-fed. It sounds like the animals are taking marijuana because uh, that's the grass that uh, is most prevalent. <laughs> no, no, here. I'm talking about the grass, the grass and the grass. That's right. And what about chicken and fish? Do you eat chicken and fish? I do. I, you know, I do. I, I do my best to always stick with the um, – I always worry about the hormones that are used in, in poultry. Um, have you noticed that the, the size of the chicken breast – has almost doubled uh, in the grocery stores. That's because they're just pumping these Pump poor me birds. Up. Pump yeah, me up. Yeah, listen, you yeah. talk about taking steroids. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they definitely work because the the average chicken breast has increased four or five ounces or something. I mean, unreal. Uh, and I and I don't like that. I don't like um, that idea of uh, of artificially pumping up the meat. So I, I do try to make sure I do uh, hormone free poultry. Um, I do my best to try to find the, the free range and really try to find farms, and there are some out there, by the way, uh, where the, the chickens truly are free range. There's not many of them, but where you can, uh, where the chickens actually have, they're outside many hours of the day, and I think that's important. I do like fish. I do eat that. Um, and, uh, but, I, but I do, you know, I think it's about balance. I eat a nice balanced diet. I eat several meals in a day. I eat lots of nuts and seeds. I get a lot of fiber. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I think my diet, my diet is pretty well, but even with that said, I still take some core supplements because I know that food just is not enough today. And that's a great segue into the next part of the interview, which is, we're going to talk about supplements, the supplement pyramid. Um, you want to talk first about foundation in different levels or do you want yeah. to talk okay or do you want to talk first about your own supplement <laughs> your, your own supplement <laughs> well, people always ask me what, what do i take and stuff but uh, no let's talk about i you know the supplement pyramid obviously is a play off the the food pyramid right which is which is a, i think most people recognize as a, as a tool to help us you know eat a balanced meal but the, the but that's where the similarities end the supplement pyramid really is is a way to create a regimen based on supplements that not only is going to prioritize things for you, but personalizes. And what I did is I, I broke up the, the pyramid into three sections, and the very first section uh, is called the foundation. It's the bottom of the pyramid. I mean, one of the, you know, picture an Egyptian pyramid. They've been around for five, 6,000 years. Why is that? Because they were built with a solid foundation, and, and so anything you do in life, I believe, needs a solid foundation. So there's four foundational products that I really, truly believe everybody in this country should be taking. And, and if we did, I think we would improve the health of this, uh, the nation uh, quite dramatically. The first, obviously, is going to be the multivitamin. Uh, don't poo-poo the multivitamin. It's still incredibly important to get the basic vitamins and minerals every day. I would encourage you to do something beyond what I call the generic multivitamins, uh, these are the ones that are you see all over the TV uh, commercials. I, I don't need to say brands because I think most people know what I'm saying. Uh, these generic multivitamins are, in my opinion, they're just underdosed. They're based upon the recommended daily intake, uh, which is a dosing system uh, that was developed in the 1940s to prevent vitamin deficiencies, or you know, to to prevent scurvy, for instance. If all you want to do, Richard, is prevent scurvy. Fine, then take the generic multivitamin. It's cheaper, and, and you'll prevent uh, those kind of deficiencies. But that's not what people want today. People are looking to really optimize their health. Uh, and so I coined a term in the book called the ideal daily intake, the IDI. 
Uh, this is a dosing system that takes you to a whole new level with the vitamins and minerals. Let me give you one example. Uh, take vitamin C. The recommended daily intake of vitamin C, and this is the dose that you'll find in most of those generic uh, products, is 50 to 90 milligrams a day, somewhere in that range. Uh, again, that's, that's enough if you want to prevent scurvy. But what about all the other benefits attributed to vitamin C? You know, we're talking about anti-cancer, heart, immune. Well, I just simply did my research. I went on to different types of, uh, you know, research websites like PubMed, and I searched vitamin C clinical trials, uh, looking at all these different benefits that we know vitamin C can do. And I came up with an ideal intake of vitamin C between 500 and 2,000 milligrams a day. So you want to you wanna take a, a, a product, a multivitamin product, that's at least dosed at that, say, 500 milligrams for vitamin C. So what I did in the book is I created a table. And on, on, I have all the basic vitamins and minerals. And on one column, I have the recommended daily intake that those generic products use. And then I have the ideal daily intake for all those vitamins and minerals. And you could, you could just take the book into your, your health food store, go down the supplement aisle, pick out the, the multivitamin you want, and just compare it to the table that I created. Make sure you're doing those, those higher doses. So you're, uh, reco- those- you're recommending somewhere between a half a gram and two full grams a day. Yeah, that's, that's if you look at the immune-boosting properties of vitamin C, uh, you're talking about 500 milligrams a day. If you're looking at uh, heart, protect, uh, heart protective uh, properties, you're looking probably about a gram a day. And if you're looking at anti-cancer properties with vitamin C, you're looking at at least two grams a day. So, yeah. Well, how, many uh, do you, would, how, how many do you take? Well, I take a daily multivitamin. It's the life extension one. It's called the two per day that has 500 milligrams. And then I do an additional one to two grams a day, just depending on how I think my antioxidant intake was. So you, you, uh, agree, with, you, you agree with, the, with the, the work of Linus Pauling? By the way, but Linus Pauling, I think, was the, is the only person in history to win new, two Nobel Prizes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He and, used high dose of... Very uh, high dose of... Yeah, and, and I don't know believer. about... And, and listen, I, and, you know, he was doing something different. He was really treating disease with, with that high. He was looking at uh, cancers, heart disease. Um, what I'm talking about here is a daily intake of vitamin C that'll give you some of this protection... Uh, and that's about 500 to 2,000 milligrams. The, the, the recommended daily intake, the 50 milligrams, which is what most of those other products are based on, that's not going to do anything for you other than prevent the scurvy, which is the disease associated with, with vitamin C deficiency. Um, if, again, if that's all you want to do, Richard, go for it. <laughs> but I, I think people are looking to do a lot more. So that's, that's the first foundational product. The second one... Uh, is going to be the omega-3 oils, the EPA, DHA. Uh, I don't get into arguments in the book about the different sources of the omega-3s, uh, whether it's flax, whether it's chia seed, whether it's algae oils, fish oil, krill. We just need, we all need to be getting these anti-inflammatory fats in our system. The third foundational product is all about cell health, and this is CoQ10, ubiquinol CoQ10. This is a very important compound to the cell energy cycles. Uh, as we get older, we lose CoQ10. Cells can't make energy. The cell dysfunctions, and ev- eventually you're going to dysfunction. So we want to make sure we add back this important nutrient to improve cell energy production. And then the very last uh, foundational product, this is the fourth one. So as you're moving up the pyramid, this will be the fourth product. Uh, it's going to be probiotics. 
the healthy gut bacteria. I teach you're only as healthy as your gut. If you can't digest food and supplements, if you can't absorb those nutrients, if you can't eliminate waste, you're just not going to be very healthy. And probiotics support all phases uh, of digestion. So they, they round out the, uh, the foundational products for the pyramid. Once you got those going, now, now that's not personalized yet. That's just what I think everybody should be doing. Let me review. One, let me review what what sure. Dr. Smith is saying here is for you the foundation for your supplement pyramid. One multivitamin containing somewhere between a half and two grams of vitamin C for sure. Two, your omega three fatty acids. Three, your coenzyme Q ten, and four probiotics. Is that right? Okay, right. so that's, those are the four the for the foundation. Right. And, and I want everybody doing that. And, again, that's not personalized yet. The personalization comes in the next level. So as we, as we move up the pyramid, it's kind of the middle part. This is where we're going to really figure out what it is you as an individual need. Uh, the way I did this, you know, I, I practiced internal medicine. And, I, you know, back when I was doing, uh, practicing that, I, if you came into my office, Richard, let's say you had chest pain or you had headaches or, what, you know, whatever it was, before I did any physical exam, before I did any laboratory work or radiology work, I would ask you a series of questions, right? It's called a clinical history. From that clinical history, in a sense, you were telling me your story. Uh, I was, I was, you were giving me clues about what's going on in your body, uh, you know, painting this, this story of what's going on. Once I knew that, then I could recommend the, the, the right diagnosis and recommend the right treatment. I did the same thing here with the supplements. I developed 16 health quizzes, okay, and it covers everything from your, from your brain, heart, bone, joints, immune system. It's all there, uh, it, and, and these are real clinical assessment questions, the same questions I would ask in my practice, but they're easy to answer. They're just yes or no answers, uh, and as you take each quiz, you're going to get a score for each one. That score reflects a certain amount of risk for that body part. The higher the score, the greater the risk. And in a sense, what you've done is you've told me your story. And if you take the heart quiz uh, and you score, say, around a five, uh, what, what your body is telling me is that there's some moderate risk there for cardiovascular disease. Once I know that score based on how you answered the, the questions, I can now line you up with the supplements based on research known to help reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease. So by the time you go through the 16 quizzes, or maybe you just want to focus on the ones that... Uh, are most important to you, that's fine. We have some people doing two quizzes. We have some people doing all of them. That's, that's up to you. But at the end of, the, at the, end of the, this middle part of the pyramid, you're going to know your issues, and you're going to know the supplements that your body needs. So when you go into that, uh, your favorite health food store and you go down that supplement aisle where there's thousands of products now, you're going to have confidence in the products that you're buying, knowing that you're buying the ones that are, that are best for you, that are going to really target your issues. And that's the personalization part of it. The top part of the pyramid is called optimization. Wait a second. Bef is, one second before we sure. go on, before we go on to the optimization. So you, you, you're all uh, listening now. You've got this pyramid in front of you. At the foundation, you heard the four uh, things that, uh, that Michael is recommending to put on your foundation. Now we're talking about personalizing and he's talking about these quizzes. If you get the book, 
you see that the quizzes are all right in the book, one after the other. There's a heart and circulation quiz. There's a cancer quiz. There's a diabetes and metabolic disorder quiz. There's a brain and nerves quiz, a memory quiz, blood pressure and blood vessels. goes on and on. I won't read all 16 of them, but they're all here. And then what he has in the book is after you take the quiz and you uh, answer each of the questions and you add up your points, you then go to the following page and it says, if you have this many points, here's what is recommended. So you actually can use this book as a manual for determining what supplements you want to take if you're going in that direction. It's uh, extremely comprehensive. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it was, you know, I think it's the best. Well, first of all, people, as you know, Richard, like to take quizzes, which is a good thing. Um, it, it kind of it's more interactive, but it was the best way for me. You know, when I when I was writing this, I, I knew I, I knew personalization was important. Now, I mean, there's so many products out there. Uh, there's you know, last year people spent uh, Americans spent 15 billion dollars on supplements alone, and probably about half of that was spent on products they don't need. So, I, I, I without a doubt, now's the time we need to really provide guidance for people. The question was, is how do you do that? So that's why I went back to my you know, clinical practice days, you know, and I, I just, I simply said, well, how did I talk to people back then? That's what I did here with the quizzes. In a sense, it's almost like I'm taking you through a clinical history for each of these body parts or these disease states. Uh, and we're, we're painting that picture, which now allows me then to make uh, supplement suggestions that make sense. So it's, it's it, other than seeing you one-on-one, quizzes are probably the best way to, to personalize. Now, you, now you're ready to move up from the midsection of the pyramid right. to the, the, the midsection is personalization, folks. So he has foundation at the bottom, then your personal supplement, uh, which is in the middle of the pyramid, and then up at the top you're talking about optimization. That's great. Yeah, so the top part of the pyramid is where... Now, this is where you can do two different things here. The, the, the top part can still be personalized. And this might be where, you know, let's say you're training for a marathon, Richard. You want to get some extra protein, some protein supplements, or some maybe uh, some extra muscle support supplements. So you might do some there. Um, but I mainly, I really focused this top part mostly on the aging mechanisms. You know, working at Life Extension as the senior scientist, uh, we've been studying um, aging from a cellular level for probably since the 1980s. And we've come up with about seven or eight uh, aging mechanisms. And what I provided were nutrients that could help to manage those aging mechanisms, slow them down so that you could live healthier longer. And that fulfills the top part of the pyramid. But notice what we've done here, Rich, is we've, we've built up from the bottom to the top the most important to probably the least important. I hate to use the word least important because I think they're all important, but we sometimes do need to prioritize. Uh, maybe, you know, after a while, you don't want to continue to take as many products if, as you've been taking. So it's important to know which ones you should stop and which ones you should continue to go on. The, the lower down on the pyramid of product is, the more important it is. So the foundational products that we covered, those we should always do. The personalization ones come next, and then the optimization ones. So this isn't just personalizing. It's also prioritizing your regimen for you. If you want to uh, ask Dr. Smith a question, please call in at 707-937-2039. 
707-937-2039. If you have difficulty with that, just shoot us an email at dj at kzyx.org, dj at uh, kzyx.org. How many different pills do you take a day, sir? (laughs) Not as many as you might think. You know, (laughs) I do all the foundational products. Uh, Now, my personalization level, uh, I do have heart disease in my family. Specifically, blood pressure is an issue. Now, mine's okay, but I I do want to protect myself. Yes. So I do some of the blood pressure products. I do grapeseed extract and pomegranate. Uh, those are really good for lowering that top number. Uh, both of them uh, can lower that top number called the systolic pressure, anywhere between six to eight points. So I'm getting my protection there. Uh, before I went into internal medicine, Richard, I was a radiologist. And so I was exposed, to, even though you protect yourself uh, in radiology, I was probably exposed to radiation more than the average person was. Uh, and so I also, based on my quiz results, I take a few uh, anti-cancer supplements. I do cruciferous vegetable extracts. I do curcumin, uh, which is from the turmeric spice. And I also do modified citrus pectin, uh, very important for protecting from those rogue cancer cells floating around in our bloodstream. Do you do, uh, do, you do aged garlic and niacin? You know, I don't, and not at this point. Right now, the, the cardiovascular uh, quiz for me, I, I'm at low risk, other than the blood pressure, mm-hmm. which is the pomegranate and grapeseed. Everything else is pretty good, so at this stage, I'm not doing those. I do some now, to optimize, I do some extra antioxidants. You know, Life Extension has a wonderful uh, whole berry product that I take. Um, I do some hormone replacement, specifically with DHEA, which... Uh, such an important hormone to so many parts of your body. Uh, and that pretty much rounds out my product. It's about a total of, say, seven or eight products. How much DHEA do you take per day? Uh, based on my blood level, I started out with 100 milligrams a day. I was able to optimize my level uh, based on a 25-year-old man, and, and at that point I dropped. That took about six months. Uh, and since then I dropped down to 50 milligrams a day, and I've been, I've been able to hold it at that optimal level at 50 milligrams. 50. And share with us your thoughts on uh, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy for men, which is now being nationally uh, uh, advertised, right, on television. Right. I I think it is important. You know, hormones are one of the key messengers in, in the body, right? So your brain has to be able to talk to the rest of your body, and it does that through these messengers called hormones. And as you get older, we lose hormones. There were some really good population studies uh, back in the 50s and 60s uh, showing uh, uh, a nice association between the loss of hormones and the rise in age-related disorders, specifically a lot of the metabolic disorders and the neurodegenerative disorders. Um, so I do believe in, in hormone replacement. The key thing, as you said, is it needs to be bioidentical, right? Bioidentical hormones are hormones that look exactly like the hormones your body makes. So when you, so the DHEA that I take, the 50 milligrams, that's bioidentical. It means that when I take that and it gets into my bloodstream, my body sees that as DHEA that it made. It's, it's exactly the same thing. It knows how to metabolize it. It knows how to use it. It knows how to store it. It knows how to excrete it. Uh, the danger with hormones is really in those non-bioidentical ones, the ones that may be changed a little bit to get better absorption, more impact in your muscles. A lot of your uh, testosterones in the 60s and 70s and 80s were changed just enough where they weren't bioidentical. 
uh, and they can cause a lot of problems, especially in young athletes, because your body doesn't recognize it as normal testosterone. It looks weird to it. Uh, so bioidentical hormone replacement, both in men and women, I do believe uh, is extremely important. I would encourage uh, your listeners to have a hormone blood test. I do like blood testing better than, say, saliva and, and hair at this point. Uh, and that's just my personal opinion because that's the, the, the blood testing is what I deal with the most. And at least look at DHEA. DHEA is, a, is, is truly the anti-aging hormone. Uh, it affects muscle, metabolism, brain, heart. Uh, people with uh, men and women with optimal DHEA levels um, are going to have stronger, all, all of those systems, muscles, gut, brain, all of them are going to be, be healthier um, with optimal DHEA levels. So at least look into that. If you want to learn more about hormones, life extension, we've been studying them for a long time. Go to lifeextension.com, and there are ton- we have tons of protocols. At, at what age, Michael? Restoration. Thank you. I'm sorry. What, what, at what age should men uh, start getting uh, blood tested for their uh, testosterone level? I, you know, I, I, I start in the mid 30s. In the mid 30s. Yeah, and I know wow. that sounds. Yeah, I know that sounds young. And, and, and when I first started getting into this, Richard, I didn't. Yeah, that was. I would have thought that was too young as well. I, I when I first started doing this and checking hormones, I, you know, maybe in their fifties. But what I noticed, little by little, is men in their 40s, even in their upper 30s, were coming in with symptoms that sure sounded like, like low testosterone. Uh, so when I started checking levels in men in their 40s and upper 30s, I guess what I discovered? I started to see the beginnings of, of hormone deficiencies. Uh, same thing with women. You know, women, uh, traditionally, we wouldn't check estrogen levels until we knew for a fact they were beginning menopause. Well, what we're now recognizing is even young women in their 20s are starting to have signs and symptoms of estrogen and progesterone imbalances. We call that estrogen dominance, by the way. And, and so when we start checking those hormones at the younger ages, we start catching those imbalances earlier. And guess what? It, they're easier to treat. So, yeah, I, I actually check hormones in men and women starting in the mid-30s now. Wow. What about the controversy that uh, going on over whether or not in, in males testosterone uh, fuels various kinds of cancer or whether it actually combats various kinds of cancer. I know there's a controversy yeah. because one argument is the reason men don't get cancer earlier on in life is because they have higher testosterone. And so yeah. testosterone is a cancer fighter. But then there are those who believe that, uh, that testosterone is some kind of like uh, throwing gasoline on a fire. Yeah. And I well, know, it, yeah, you know the, work of the, the work of Morgenthaler at Harvard who's saying oh, sure. that... that he's that, reversed that, all that, by the way, right? He, uh, you know. Morgenthaler is saying that testosterone yeah. is good for cancer. It treats yeah. cancer. Yeah, so, you know, we, we have to, what, what, through his work and a lot of other, uh, other uh, hormone specialists, you know, we've, we've now understand that it's not so much when it comes, say, to a man's prostate, for instance, it's not really testosterone that's the issue, it's the metabolites, it's DHT and it's estrogen. You know, testosterone can convert into estrogen, a lot of men don't realize that. Uh, the recent study that linked testosterone and cardiovascular risk uh, last year in men uh, what the, what they actually uh, what they actually showed is exactly what I I could have told them is they weren't they weren't really dealing with the estrogen levels in these men so they were giving them testosterone and some of them they were knocking down the estrogen levels too low and other of them they weren't doing anything with the estrogen uh, these men were having estrogen issues and they started having some chronic disease uh, diagnoses in in these studies so it's not the testosterone it's really 
uh, when you do bioidentical hormones, it's important to understand how these things are metabolized because you want to make sure that, that for a man, if I give you testosterone, Richard, I want to make sure that I keep the DHT down and that I keep the estrogen in a nice optimal range. And you can do that with drugs or supplements. When you do that, then hormone restoration works. It protects against the heart. It protects against cancer. It can be anti-inflammatory. The issue is when you have doctors who don't understand how these hormones are metabolized. They're not dealing with these metabolites, and that's where you see the problem. Well, you're getting into the details, and that's excellent, but we're running out of time here, Michael, so I want to thank you so much. Folks, remember the book, The Supplement Pyramid by Dr. Michael Smith. I'm sure you can find it on Google. Remember that his foundation is a multivitamin. It's an omega-3 fatty acid. It's coenzyme Q10 and probiotics. That's very important for your foundation. Do the rest by taking the quizzes in his book, and then, of course, consult with your physician. Michael, thank you so much for being on the program. I look forward to having you on again. I hope you'll come back. Oh, Thank you, Richard. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. And thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Mind, Body, Health, and Politics, which is made possible by our KZYX staff and my in-studio engineer, my friend Michael Delora. Please join me again in exactly two weeks at 9 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Until then, this is Dr. Richard Miller reminding you that good health is worth fighting for, and it's essential for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness.